Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast, where apparently we're covering every single uninspired remake of a beloved genre classic. I'm Anna Bogutska, and as ever, I'm your podcast host. The new Hellraiser, directed by David Bruckner, has unceremoniously landed on streaming in the UK, so now that people are finally able to see it, we have to talk about it. Now, the bar is very high. The original 1987 Hellraiser, directed by Clive Barker and based on his own story, The Hellbound Hard, is a classic of horror cinema. Transgressive, horny, and exceptionally disturbing even now. In this episode, I'm joined by friend of the show, Becky Dark, to discuss whether the new Hellraiser lives up to that expectation. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the final girls. You can find more bonus episode deep dives and revisits of all classics and other bonus episodes over there pretty much landing every week. And if you can't or don't want to, you can always just leave us a little review over an Apple or Spotify podcast. It really does help the show. Please beware for anyone who hasn't seen the film. We talk about the entirety of the plot pretty much from the very beginning. You can find me tweeting about horny horror films over at Anna Be Demented. And with all of that said, please enjoy our take on Hellraiser. Becky Dark. Anna Bogutskaya. I knew you were the right person for this conversation <laughs> when this morning you sent me a screenshot, a picture of your screen of one of the sex scenes in Hellraiser 2022 mm-hmm. and a furious, furious, furious voice note that I'm almost tempted to include in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you, can, you can do that if you want, or I can recreate it for you. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, that it really just like the, there's been quite a lot of discourse around the sexlessness of Hellraiser 2022. Mm-hmm. And so I went into this morning's viewing of it kind of with all that. I knew, I knew that was fine. I was oh, prepared. that's, that's kind of a shame. It's, I kind of feel, I kind of feel bad for you because I was worried that you will, will see that and that would kind of inform your viewing of it. Oh, no, it was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, and then I got to the sex scene in which she's doing air quotes I'm doing air quotes um <laughs> in which there's there's hot hot pretty boy trevor doing missionary on top of the main girl with a sheet just perfectly covering his bum in a way that no two people have ever had sex in the history of people having sex and i'm like i'm sorry we're not allowed bare butt in Hellraiser, what has happened over the last, like, however many years, 40-something years? No, 30-something so years. This is when they, I mean, we've gone way into the deep end. Oh, you we, know, we've been like, we're, we're like, we're talking in. about bums in the first five minutes of this conversation. <laughs> Again, this is why you got is, me on. <laughs> yeah, which is how I like to do it in this house. <laughs> it's bums first. In this house, in this house, it's bums first. <laughs> but... And I like tweeted, you know, I, we can talk about this, but I had like this, had 
limited expectations for this film. Mm-hmm. Really like the director mm-hmm. because he directed The Night House, The Ritual, both films I really loved. I thought it was really interesting, really well crafted and genuinely kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And I love the original Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. I love Clive Barker's work. Like I love the the sensual and the sexual aspects of it, the exploration of the extreme, the kind of the, even the idea, the basic core idea of Hellraiser, the 1987 movie, and kind of the Hell on Heart, the, the story that it's based mm-hmm. on. It's like people, some people wanting to experience sensation and pleasure to mm-hmm. such, um, to such a level, to such an extreme that they li- like they literally turn themselves into demons so they can fuck in a new way. Mm. Yeah, I. So when I when I started thinking about this film a little more after seeing it on Monday or Tuesday, I was like, "Oh, this is just this is just like a missionary covered with a bedsheet, turn the lights <laughs> off type bullshit." Like, know, there's no right? sex in this. Kink. There's no there's interest no in sex at all. There's no interest in nothing. There's no interest in sensation and pleasure and desire and kink in sex of any kind. Um, so I kind of, yeah, I kind of re reframed my own ideas about this film in a kind of in a worse way than when I was actually experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Definitely. So you sort of did it like the opposite way to me, whereas I was expecting Mm. it and then was like still fucking horrified at the sheet moment. Like I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. Um, But (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's so weird because one of the things that I actually loved so much about the script or that I like really respected about the script is that um, there are some like the original Hellraiser is really um, renowned for like some of its like incredibly quotable iconic lines right and I Mm -hmm. thought that one thing that this version did was like a lot of that stuff really landed like there was some really kind of cool quotable stuff that came from the Cenobites and the priest Mm. Um, and I thought like I thought Jamie Clayton was great and they really like they delivered we have such sites to show you like really well I thought that landed I thought that was great they deliver another incredible line which is something like enough is a myth and I'm like yeah I like this Ooh, this is this hot. is this, that's hot right this is yeah. what I am talking about enough is a myth yes that is Hellraiser so mm. it sort of came through in the script like they kind of knew what they were supposed to be doing but it didn't come over like in the action on screen and definitely not in the two pitiful sex scenes again with the bunny ears. <laughs> so we've really jumped off in the deep end here, but let's backtrack a little bit. I've, t- I've mentioned how I feel about the original Hellraiser and Clive Barker. Um, so to you, Becky, where are you on the original Hellraiser that this is sort of a reimagining of. Mm. I don't think it's a direct remake. It's not positioned as such. And the Hellraiser franchise as a whole. Mm -hmm. I'm on the whole a fan as much as you can be a fan of a franchise that has one masterpiece, a solid second film, and a load of fucking garbage, right? (laughs) So, like, three is all right. Like one is a masterpiece, two is good, three is all right, the rest are trash. Um, and for me, like 
the first one, you know, 87 is it's it's pretty much a perfect movie. And yes. it's got everything that you've just talked about that this one lacks. It's got kink, it's got sleaze, it's got lust, it's got like gruey kind of body horror, practical effects, it's got iconic monsters, it's scary, it's horny, it's amazing, right? It is like it's an iconic horror film for a reason. I remember the first time I went to watch it. I was too young and I was already watching horror films as a, like as a young kid and loving them and like not just kind of horror films like like kid horror films like the gremlins and stuff mm-hmm. like I was watching mm-hmm. you know The Omen and Amityville Horror and that kind of level I guess like mid level mm-hmm. and then Hellraiser was coming on like Channel 4 or something at like damn channel four yeah right uh, like i don't know half 11 or something at night and i was still mm. up and i was like yeah it's time like i'm gonna give hellraiser a go and anna i don't think i got past the opening sequence like there was something deeply wrong about what i was watching for where my brain mm. was in development and experience at that time and i very very quickly realized in that first watch that i was out of my depth and i switched it off and then kind of dreaded it for years and years afterwards oh, didn't wow. go back because i like i was like oh no like that's that's the one that was too much remember that <gasps> and then obviously when i watched it i was like why have I wasted all these years? Like, it's so good. Um, but yeah, so I've got like, I've got this sort of like real vis- visceral relationship with it because it just like really fucked me it. up. Just like literally like four or five minutes at the beginning, if that. So um, yeah, now it's up there. It's one of my favorites. As I say, there are a couple of successful sequels. I think two is good. I think three is fine. It's quite fun. Um, I was made to watch a couple of the other ones for... Um, was it Mike's Patreon or Stevie's Patreon? I can't even remember now. It was one of them because it was with Mike and Stevie. Um, and they were just god awful, like really, really bad. And as I understand it, the reputation of the franchise is very much that. Like it's all just like they need to keep making it for rights and money reasons. And so what they'll do is they'll have a script and they'll chuck Pinhead in it to make it into a Hellraiser film, um, make mm-hmm. a few quid, and it means that they can keep the rights and make another one a few years down the line. Um, so yeah. I'm I've actually not seen Beyond Two. I was toying with the idea of doing like a mm-hmm. revisit series of the franchise, mainly because I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think it was either Louise or maybe Stevie. I can't really remember who, but like they just were just like, no, don't, no, no, it's a bad no, idea. Yeah, it's it. a bad yeah. idea. It's a bad yeah. idea. And I am always fascinated by like a horror franchise that starts off with a literal masterpiece uh-huh. that sort of moves the genre and kind of body horror mm-hmm. into a completely new direction. And it's Clive Barker adapting himself, which is always interesting. Yeah. And there's just something that feels like, even if you watch it as a kid, you just will not get it. There is something so primal and like, dirty about Hellraiser like even remembering you know I know that the Cenobites have been the thing that have stuck in pop culture the first time I revisited as an adult I was like oh no it's about Julie and Frank and their relationship is this 
disgusting. Yes. It's so compelling. It's like, Jesus, Julia, you want to fuck that man so badly, you're going to fuck him as a mushy, like, um, like blood clot <laughs> and also kill men in order to be able to get yeah, to like that dick again. Literally seriously. hammer them, hammering men to death for dick. Like, it's, it's so... <laughs> It's but again, it's so you're right. Primal is so absolutely good. the right word. Like they need each other on this like animal level, right? Mm. This this like monstrous lust between them, um, and that is so compelling. Julia is one of my favorite um, absolutely characters, or just characters in any horror movie. Like she is so compelling and fascinating mm. and hot. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just. You're absolutely right. It did something different and and challenging. And it's the original Hellraiser film is an a very grown up horror film. Mm. You know? So the bar is very hard. The bar is very high, at least for the first film. Mm. But like I said, this isn't a straight remake. It kind of is a completely different story. So very briefly kind of how does and it's doing this annoying thing that's become the trend for reimagining some remakes where it just names it the same name oh, so I, I have know. to keep saying the year yeah oh. what what is the story very briefly of hellraiser 2022 okay so the central character is riley she is a recovering addict um she sort of she she's got like a low paying job lives with her brother and his boyfriend and an english girl because they had to shoehorn an english accent into it somewhere um and the she's got this like casual fuck buddy called trevor who is also a recovering addict i think they like met in the program or whatever and he's got this he's got this like job that he's like, you can come in on it with me. You can get some money. And so basically they go and rob this warehouse and they find the lament configuration, right? They find the little box and she unleashes the Cenobites. She opens the box, she unleashes the Cenobites. They come and they take her brother. Um, and then it sort of turns into like one of these sort of classic, like horror detective um like stories because you know she's having to find out Luke like who the original owner was and it turns out that it's this guy called like Voight who used to live in this big mansion like a kind of sex dungeon hotel mansion um and so like her and Trevor the fuck buddy go to try and find him because they need to get the brother back and all of this so that and there's you know double crossing and lots of blood and chains not a lot of sex um yeah like that's kind of it so <laughs> i mean that's a lot so the main part of the film we spend with riley kind of trying to make sense of the configuration and like the whole thing about it is that she essentially like has to provide souls mm. for the cenobites like she needs to literally poke someone mm -hmm. with the box so they get marked for yeah. um to be picked up by the Cenobites. And like, does did that work for you? Like, did it feel I don't know, like the lament configuration and the whole box is such an iconic element of Hellraiser. But 
for me at least, it felt like it was spending too much time on the whodunit aspect of it. Yeah, I thought there was too much Scooby Doo shit. Like definitely, um, but the the kind of the the box and its different configurations and the sort of mythology that the film builds around that, I actually found quite interesting and I really liked it. I like this idea that there are different levels of the MacGuffin. Um, mm. So that it's it's these configurations. And for each configuration, you like get a prize, you like get a pleasure. Mm-hmm. So one mm-hmm. is like love, one is power, like something like that. There's like seven of them, I think. And you're right. Yeah, so, one is resurrection, then, and then like the final, sensation. Yes. Yeah. And the final one is Leviathan, right? Which is like the mm-hmm. big daddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. So she pokes her finger in the box in quite a sort of sexy penetrating type way and then in return the box penetrates you back right so it's got this little like very sharp knife that or like blade that comes out of it and it gets you in the hand and you bleed and then the cenobites come and get you and they take your soul and if you've delivered that person then you get right sensation or love or power or whatever all the way up mm-hmm. to resurrection and leviathan all of that i thought was good like i thought it was explained well um it wasn't too sort of mm, like like law heavy, but it was just yeah. I I liked that sort of different levels of it, and you know, you're it really kind of focused on this box, like being a puzzle box. I think one of the criticisms mm-hmm. I've had of some of the sequels is this fucking thing. It's meant to be difficult to open, Anna. Like literally, if you open it, these guys from hell come. And they put loads yeah. of hooks and chains in you and they suck you to a hell dimension. You're not supposed to be able to casually rub your thumb around it and it all fucking opens up and they turn <laughs> like that isn't what it's supposed to be. And so what I really liked about this was they actually really kind of went back to it being a puzzle mm. that you have to solve and like a challenge or a series of challenges that you have to kind of mm-hmm. go through. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was good. This is the thing. I, I like the lore because I like the lore of Hellraiser. Um, you know, and I and I kind of it's it's so um it's presented so heavily in this film. Like they spend a lot of time explaining the different levels via all the mechanisms that we're used to in horror movies. You know, the big weird rich guy that disappeared <laughs> suddenly, his notebooks, this weird room. Um like all of these things and that I felt was a little bit clunky yeah. like you the, it was a bit like the, going the to woman, the microfiche thing the woman from the past it was very microfiche the woman from the past who's now in a hospice who they need to go and question like they found her through you know like yeah I mean all of that was was very um mm, lazy's probably a bit strong but it didn't try very hard so what do you make about the big well the second big bad the like there's daddy leviathan and then there's void who's played by i know his name but for me he will always be the cowboy from practical magic Uh, yes oh my god of course of course of course thank you yes yes What, what is it goran biznich Vision, yeah um yeah he's great like he's great he's you know he doesn't do anything mind-blowing anna he's the rich he's no. he's the creepy sort of 
super rich deviant sex pest sex dungeon hotel owning rich white guy who is bored i just get the impression that he's bored yeah and just like playing about with stuff he doesn't he's not like frank in the original i don't think who who really is this like he just it's never enough right nothing is ever enough he literally says that to julia after they've just had sex it's yeah never enough he is always pushing 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 and i don't think i really picked that up so much with Voigt. I think you're so right. Like even they kind of recycle some of those lines in the film. And it actually, I maybe because in the first scene, because the first scene is him essentially like setting up this young hustler to die, mm. to kind of solve a puzzle box <laughs> by just like rubbing it <laughs> and, and then be consumed by the Cenobites. But like he strikes me again as quite sexless. Mm. He says he chooses sensation. Which, you know, you would understand to be kind of, it's about pleasure mm. and physical feeling and all of this. But, like, he doesn't really seem to be that interested in anything physical. Like, it's all about sort of control and power. But even that is kind of a stretch. Like, he's just kind of an... The obsession does not come through. We're being told that he's obsessed. We're being shown his big like, golden room and his notebooks and all this shit. But I'm not getting any obsession from him. Whether it's, you know, and it's inevitable to compare him to Frank. Like, aside from a few trace scenes, like, Frank was just consumed by yes. this need to constantly, like, more and more and more, but kind of always wanting more and more experience, more sex, like, harder sex, whatever it was. Mm. And there's n there's nothing. He's kind of, again, very neutered. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're 100% right, yeah. But what about, like, this has been the marketing. This has been the thing that's remained in pop culture. It's the Cenobites. Mm -hmm. What did you make of the new Cenobites? <sighs> So I thought that Jamie Clayton as the priest was really, really excellent. And I thought, <laughs> I thought it was nice that they were pins, like not nails. Like they're, they're literally, yeah. it looks like she's been going through her mum's sewing box. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, <laughs> um, and she's lit absolutely mm. immaculately. So the, the, the light on her is otherworldly. It's like always shifting. Like even though she's yeah. still... She's always sort of coming in and out of shadow. And because of the heads of these pins, the light will catch them. They're almost like pearlescent. I really loved yes. that. I loved, I loved the way that she was shot. Um, there are also loads of like really kind of distant shots of her where like it's quite creepy. She will just be sort of like centered in the frame but you're pulled right right back from her so it's almost like sort of like like a ghostly image like she's sort of just like, like lurking on the peripherals you mm. know like lurking in the background um is this sort of like ever present sort of like creepy just like demon um I thought, as I said, that she delivered a lot of those iconic lines really well. I I really rated her. Um, I love the the. I don't know if you got this feeling as well. The Cenobites in well, at least in the first, maybe two, um, films are meant to be sort of, you know, not 
kind of scary in the fact that they seem quite grotesque, like the where their flesh is torn, the leather that they wear, like they're not meant to be beautiful at all. And I found the Cenobites, like the design of them, especially the priest, but, you know, all the other ones as well, like they were gorgeously designed, like the, mm-hmm. the tonality of the skin, the color of the leather that they wear. Mm-hmm. Kind of even the way that sort of their flesh is, um, you know, you know, kind of, f- f- I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like the way their flesh is sort of torn apart and maintained. Yeah, a lot of the use of like pearls, loads of there use was of so- pearls. Yeah, like it was. It reminded me a lot of sort of the design of the cell. You know, this like very muscly, fleshy inspired costume design and creature design, yeah. but. It wasn't particularly terrifying. If if anything, they seemed really alluring. Yes, and I think what I when I think about Cenobites, usually it looks painful, mm, and yes. and they're like into that, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the like it looks raw and mm-hmm. and. Yeah, like it, like it's sore, you know, like it's painful. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that any of the Cenobites in this one looked like they were particularly in pain. And actually, my favorite of them was the one that had like the skin sort of stretched over its face as if it was mm-hmm. like, like, like a plastic bag, right? So it was like choking the whole time and like couldn't <gasps> breathe properly. Oh, that's the one that can't breathe. Yeah, gasp. I looked up their names. It was like, that was amazing. Like really evocative. Um, I found myself, you know, sometimes if you, you're like watching somebody on film struggling to breathe and you start to get like a little mm-hmm. bit panicked about it yourself. Like yeah, I really yeah. felt that and I thought that design was amazing. Um, but that was the only one that kind of felt visceral, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like even the chatterer, um, I didn't find the look, the sort of updated look of the Chatterer that scary. But saying that, the sound design on it was churning. That that was the thing that really worked for me. Mm -hmm. I think he was my favorite because of the sound design of the teeth. (laughs) 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 And, And I agree, like, I think Jamie Clayton really got a completely different vibe for her priest and kind of and the thing about the cinemas are really i don't know if this was by design or almost accidental i thought they worked because they i felt like they were operating on different rules mm. like they were you know the cenobites in the original franchise were kind of human beings who were transformed into these like creatures from another dimension of hell because they just would not be satisfied like they were pushing themselves to the extremes of human sensation and there is this thing like you say you know they're all like torn up but they're into it so it's fine i didn't get that vibe at all like they felt angelic like they were like hell's civil servants you know they were there (laughs) for a function which the cenobites are to be honest but like there was so much chat about the rules Mm. and the different puzzle boxes Mm. and the different types of rewards and shit i'm like fucking christ it's like the terms and conditions of being a a cenobite yeah there was a lot of admin involved like (laughs) Like, can we just can we maybe cut some of the admin chat and have like a rimming scene or something (laughs) just one that's all i ask 
<laughs> well, while we're on that, I think now, like, the this is the other thing. Like, there are two sex scenes in this film. Yeah. I like I think calling them sex scenes is, <laughs> is offensive this, to sex. I agree. How? How are we doing basic fucking sheet covered missionary straight sex in this in this fucking movie? I, in Hellraiser. I I was I was I mean I was going to say I was speechless. I wasn't. I was screaming into my phone sending you a voice message about <laughs> it. I was the exact opposite of speechless. I was apoplectic. I couldn't believe it. And the first one, the first one where he's just, she's like, she's, she's, she seems kind of into it. And she's like, oh yeah, like flip me over. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he ruins it, ruins it by saying, is that okay? I'm like, oh my God, has there ever been a less sexy sentence ever, ever? <laughs> Fucking ask me if it's okay. I dare you. Like it is, <laughs> it was embarrassing. Well, he ruins it also by telling her that he she loves, loves her. that he loves her, and you're like, dude, dude, not right now, mate. You're the fuck, buddy. All right, let's not get ideas. Also, I didn't. Okay, I want to hear your thoughts about this because I don't know if I'm just being a bitch about this, but there were two. Everyone was too attractive. Oh god, they're so sexy. Like not like like as in like they're not no no no. As in like they're not sexy. Yeah. They're just too. Like conventionally attractive, no, they're too right. polished. They're too ripped. I found they're too like perfect looking. I found Riley sexy. I thought she was. I thought she was hot. She's got like a whole kind of like I don't know, like husky, freckly sort of mm. like a bit sort of scuzzy thing going on, which I'm into. Mm. So I was like, I really like, I really found her attractive. So I was into that. But yeah, Trevor, she was. She had like a personality. Yeah totally um but like the the gay brother and his yeah. boyfriend like completely sexless wouldn't it have been nice to see them having a sex scene no they are cuddling in bed reading byron fuck you <laughs> this is hellraiser That's what... <laughs> Listen, the thing is like Everyone in this movie is really good looking and none of them are sexy mm. with the like mild exception of Riley. Right. Yes, agreed. But like, what is the point? Like, you know, Frank and Julia are not conventionally perfect looking. Yeah, exactly. But, but they are fucking hot. Fucking hot. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't really give a shit about whatever his name was. I've already forgotten it. Trevor. Uh, like, I don't care about his muscles. Like, I mean, and also you're just going to cover them up with a sheet. So like, I don't even exactly. get to see them. I'm sorry. How long have you been working on that bar? Let's see it. <laughs> or like void. I'm like, you're fucking the, you're the cowboy from Practical Magic. <laughs> like you're hot. That's what defines you. You're like, you know, evil hot. Mm. That's what defines you, Goran Vishnik. And like, we're not even getting to see any of that shit. Like you've got a giant, like, Thing, golden thing from hell stuck through your chest through half of the movie. Can we talk about what is that? What was that? Anna? I don't. It's so stupid. I didn't it's, get it. It's a thing that makes his nerves like twist them around, so he's constantly in various degrees of pain. But you don't get that, do you? I didn't see that no, on his no, face. No, at any point. No, because he they, he tells you that. Ugh. He tells you that, and I'm like, well, why don't you put one of those things like on his dick or something? Like, so it's always, I don't know. It just looks like a cartoon. Yeah, no, it was, it was like, 
it was too steampunk clockwork like i you know Ooh, it's yeah, not right. that wasn't bdsm that was steampunk there is a fucking difference one of them is sexy mm. and one of them isn't sorry to all the steampunk fans out there well you can make steampunk sexy but this, but this didn't <laughs> but the the other thing is like there is i i didn't just thinking about it i'm like there isn't any blood is there like blood is a big part of the film because like you need to get like poked by the configuration to get marked by the Cenobites but it felt very bloodless and I think the Cenobites feel very bloodless and kind of even when Goran kind of gets this like mechanism taken out it's like there's no it doesn't feel like anybody's actually in pain or bleeding no. or anything like where are they where are their bodies this is supposed to be like all about bodily sensation and the thing that I kind of frustrated me the most was like I'm not feeling any of this like none of this feels visceral the exception for me which i thought was really effective was when mm. colin the boyfriend the brother's yeah. boyfriend the lady cenobite or one of yeah one of the female presenting cenobites she's got like razor wire or something that like sort of mm. she like shoots out at him and the i thought that was really good where it was like cutting into his skin and sort of turning him like essentially a lot of people turning him into sausages um that looked really painful and i thought that he sold the agony of that in like his sort of screams and his reaction but and that was i think the only time where i sort of winced or sort of like like sort of went to almost like turn away because it was a bit much mm. um and this is like I know obviously I'm you know I'm a big girl now but that's a very very different experience to the first film where it was yeah. so visceral in its f opening scene that I literally mm. had to turn it off and what do you make you know we've spoken a little bit about Riley but you know and this is obviously spoiler territory but kind of her final decision her like winning over the Cenobites is this, you know, selfless, I don't want a prize thing. It's a no thank you situation. Kind of what did you make of her of her way of dealing with the carnage that she sort of unleashed on? Everyone? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess it's her decision is sort of based on like her pain, her punishment her sort of exquisite agony or whatever is going to be that she's just going to live with it right so mm -hmm. she's she's caused the death of her brother um and like a load of her friends she's unleashed this thing on the world i guess mm -hmm. there's like there's guilt themes here wrapped up with addiction and the effects that the addiction can have on loved ones and friends and family um i didn't hate it and i thought that the choice and like the interaction between her and the priest at that moment of the movie all kind of worked within the logic of the story and yeah, worked yeah. within kind of what we knew about riley's character um but it was a little undercut for me when <laughs> the priest goes ah you have chosen the lament configuration. 
<laughs> at which point Riley looks down and she's got the little box. And all I saw in my head was Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen going. <laughs> You're very right. You're very right. And it's, and then she looks up and they're gone. And they're gone. <gasps> oh, just like that. Magic, magic, magic. It's like, okay, first of all, you've, I think you've already mentioned this. Why are there so many fucking boxes? Right. Why are there so many boxes? Right. Why does he have like a whole special room that's like all gold and shit and a little pillar for each one of the boxes? Yeah, it's weird. Like there's, it's just one box. And then like, oh, oh yeah, it's because every one of them is like represents one of the prizes. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit about the box. The box is supposed to unleash the interesting stuff. The box is not interesting in and of itself. Right. It's a fucking right. puzzle box. So okay. true. It's like, a, it's like a glass onion, a knives out mystery. The box is not the fucking point. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. It's like, they, like in, in that film, they just start off, everybody receives a giant box of puzzles. Mm. And there's one character, I'm not going to say who, who just like looks at the box and just instead of like going through like, oh, let's solve the little puzzles and stuff, just like smashes into <laughs> shit. <laughs> I get the thing that they're supposed to get. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, that's the point. The like, box the isn't point the is point. No. So like, why are we caring so much about the box and how the box works? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> really, really fair. And there's a few kind of side characters. And again... Maybe I'm maybe I'm being harsher in this film than I was actually experiencing it, but I remember kind of going in. The only thing I well, there's only two things that I demand from a Clive Barker joint or a Hellraiser movie. It's depravity mm-hmm. and it's horniness. Mm-hmm. And we kept getting told that particularly the void character is depraved. Yeah. And like such a bad dude. But I'm not seeing any of it. I'm certainly not feeling it. Right. And there's definitely no horniness in it. So I was just like, even when his final kind of, you know, confrontation with the Cenobites where he sort of wants to exchange the gift <laughs> and they're like, there's no, there's no return policy available in hell. I'm sorry. There are no gift cards. I'm sorry. I don't care if you have the receipt. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, it's a very Karen-esque scene where he's like, I would like another one, please. I don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> this it doesn't the size it doesn't work for me um and they <laughs> they turn him into a centipede <laughs> we see the like sailor moon transformation <laughs> of him like crucified in like some you know space dimension yeah. And literally, like, if being flayed by no one in particular, but again, being flayed via CGI. Exactly, and kind of- Anna, honestly. Like, if it just makes me so cross. It was 1987, and that fucking sequence of Frank coming back, him, like, rebuilding himself, and the bones, and the sinews, and the goo, and the dripping, and the agony... Like all of it, mm. and it is right there on screen in front of you. You can smell it, right? This, and you can see Julia smell it, and like the awe and disgust with yes. which she's like observing all of this. Exactly, and this didn't have it. it 
considering, like you say, that one of the configurations, the one of the configurations is like sensation. This movie has no sensation. It didn't have a smell. It didn't have a touch. It didn't have a taste. It, it's just. Mm. It's like. I don't know. It's like drinking a glass of fizzy water. Like it's. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And I also kind of, like, I kind of already assumed that they were going to be turning him into a Cenobite. So the, the sort of the epilogue felt a little bit pointless to me. Mm. Like it's, it felt like it didn't belong in, at the end, you know? Okay. Well, you know, so we, Riley finds a way out and she leaves. She survives. Good for her. Um, but then kind of going back into this again, very, considering how much backstory and explanation they do about the Cenobites, the configurations, the different levels, the different rewards, and all this stuff, like how they operate. Like, wh- where is he? Like, what is this? What is this fucking cross in the middle of the sky? Mm-hmm. Why is he pale? <laughs> Why does he have no hair? Yeah, he looks like, um, you know, who shaved you him? You know, in From Beyond. Um, where uh the guy the what the fuck's his name jeffrey coombs when when from beyond get um in from beyond when jeffrey coombs gets like sucked into the monster and then he like gets spat out and he's all sort of like he's like a big ball baby he looked a bit like that but again like not gooey (laughs) enough like not not that good so again it's like it's sort of it's (sighs) reminding me of these touch points but again it's just like it's been done better like donkeys years ago it's 2022 mm. like should it be better now now that we've got better stuff it's like no it's uh, it's just sanitized and i'm i'm kind of disappointed in david Bruckner because like do you did you like the ritual or the night house so i loved the night house i thought it was fucking terrifying and i mm-hmm. would re- i would watch rebecca hall read the phone book so that was absolutely like i i thought and the imagery in it you know with the sort of shifting inside the house and like yeah i I thought it was excellent i really enjoyed Mm it um the ritual i'm a bit hot and cold with it i thought that all of the male blokes in the woods stuff was extremely dull and i didn't give a shit but it has got one of the best like creature designs in it, yes. in my opinion, in recent years, like mm-hmm. really, really good and scary. And I remember seeing it thinking like, like feeling quite uncomfortable, like what the fuck mm-hmm. is that? Um, so yeah, like I think on the whole, I would say I'm a fan. And I think there were points in this where you can sort of see his style and his vision. I don't know. What did you think? Well, this is the thing that I kind of like I wanted to get your take on it because I'm not sure I did see mm. it. Because like I also love the ritual. Like I went in it with no no expectations at all. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really scary. It was surprising. Like I loved that kind of simplicity mm-hmm. of the blokes on a trip. You know, like it wasn't aiming for too high. And that I love when films do that. Just like, you know, set your boundaries and you know, tell me the story within those boundaries. Yeah. And I loved the night house. Like I was proper spooked by mm-hmm. it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and when I think about those two films together, I'm like, okay, the thing that unites them is like he's really good at building the sense of dread. Absolutely. Of kind of something being wrong through kind of, you know, not just camera movements, but also performance, also kind of the way he blocks stuff, like the the design of the spaces, mm-hmm. like the production design, mm-hmm. really works. It, even if it's, you know, the forest in the ritual, like the way he films the forest is incredible. 
And I just had zero dread in this. Yeah. Like there's like for as long as we spend before the Cenobites actually arrive and shit starts going down, there is no dread. It just felt quite dull, mm. like watchable enough, but very dull. Yeah. I Yeah. <sighs> so I wouldn't go as far as dull, but, okay. but mm. you're a hundred percent right about there being zero dread. Like, it's just, I think at the start, I found it very watchable, but it's just a bit like watching a bit of a drama with some sort of half interesting mm. characters, mm. Um, sort of going, you know, one of them or like two of them are an addict. One of them's got a difficult relationship with her brother and like, oh, here's the English housemate. Like it, it was mm. watchable because I thought that it was, you know, well-written and I thought that the performances were fine. Um but you're right. There's not any sense of like, oh God, like like doom, you know, like what is round the corner, mm. what is about to happen. Um, and then it's sort of like, it's a heist movie for a little bit. And then it's a... <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Then it's, then it's like a detective procedural for a little bit. And I guess actually to your point that you made about the ritual, about its simplicity and about it sort of setting out its stall and then just telling the story within those boundaries this doesn't do that it's very talky and it is a little bit all over the place and do you know what like I came into this saying that I really enjoyed it and I did I had a good time with this movie like I genuinely did I thought mm -hmm. it like it exceeded my expectations um but it just it there's a lack, there is a lack of something, I would say, at the heart of it. And that's a shame because I do feel like it's an opportunity missed. Mm. Like I do, I do think we've been like very hilariously down on this movie, but I didn't not enjoy watching it. Like mm. I think I've come to dislike it more after a few days. Like once I've let it sit there and it's like, you know what? I'm actually really disappointed because of all the things that we've been discussing. Mm -hmm. And but it's it's like it for me it's it it is dull and I think that's kind of worse than being bad yeah like I would have almost preferred it to be schlocky than I don't know babe do you haven't seen exceptions. some of the sequels oh maybe I will <laughs> just just because like maybe that's like, my you know lament configuration is that I'll just watch the rest of the Hellraiser franchise Anna if you want bad instead of dull they have got you. <laughs> listen listeners let me know do you want me to go through the hellraiser configuration and go through every single one of the fucking movies because i will for you um but yeah i just like i'm disappointed mm. so i don't like it i'm disappointed mm. because and i think especially like in the last couple of years in the last decade with all the new language and understanding that we have of gender, of yes. sexuality, of yes. the spectrum of it all. You know, like Hellraiser still feels transgressive yes. even, you know, decades after it was made. Mm -hmm. And we have moved so much further than that in general as people that like there was such an opportunity to yeah. make something feel so contemporary and kind of transgressive and embracing of the spectrum of sexuality and kind of sensation i think is like a beautiful word that the film uses but 
it's not interested in any of that. It's like no. trying to be, you know, a little whodunit, a little weird romance. It's completely sexist, bloodless, kind of toothless. Mm. And and that's the main disappointment. It's like, oh, you had the tools yeah. and a great director and a great pinhead, at least, at least. And you kind of don't really do anything with it. Mm. No, I couldn't agree more. But that said, it's fine. To but watch. it's fine. Like it is fine. Yeah. It's just it could have been really something, and it really isn't. It's just fine. Yeah. So you know, I wouldn't like not recommend mm. it. Like I think horror fans will watch it, and I think that people who aren't as into body horror in particular, like it's quite a tame. People who entry aren't point. quite as horny as us, Anna. That's very true. I mean, you know, that's like diabolical level. You know, not everyone. <laughs> It's not for everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just not. I I think we need another go mm-hmm. at Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. I would like to see another go. Yeah, I think like a director who's actually interested in that realm. I just don't think David Bruckner is actually interested in the the, the core of the story. You turned me onto a film. A couple of years ago, dogs don't wear pants. Oh, yeah. Like this. That is the sort of shit we should be seeing in Hellraiser. That is more of a Hellraiser film than this is. And, you know, if if stuff like that exists, why can't they channel that into like a horror film, you know? And like Mm. really, like you say, like the 87 one did, push some fucking Mm. boundaries. This Mm. felt very safe and you put it perfectly it felt missionary <laughs> oh yeah when I, d- <laughs> when I did my very salty tweet <laughs> maybe maybe the greatest tweet of all time maybe <laughs> the new hellraiser reeks of missionary <laughs> yeah yeah you know what I sort of like I as you were speaking I randomly thought of a film I was like what are the horny films that I've seen in the last couple of years like the ones who kind of truly have that vibe and I and I thought of uh, Shiva Baby. Oh, great shout! Yes, it's not a genre film at all. Like it's a very anxiety-inducing and like riddled film. But like Emma Zeligman, if she oh. like if she gets something like this, like this is just like there's this wiry thing to Shiva Baby. We're like Jesus Christ! Someone needs to have a wank, or like we're all just gonna go nuts. Absolutely. That whole film is like edging. Do you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that is such a good shout. She would, yeah. Who, she would who do you think? Oh, Does anyone God. spring to mind? I'm trying to think what the horniest films I've seen recently are. I mean, I just rewatched Hellraiser 87 and that's probably it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. Yeah, no, you've you've done it. I can't top that. I can't top Shiva Baby. I think I think it's I think it's Emma. What's her name? Emma Ziegelman. Yeah. yeah. It's a bad time for horny movies. Mm. It really is. Mm. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's why we're all on TikTok. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. Well, I'm, like you should go on TikTok. <laughs> There's a guy with a with an axe and a log oh no you've you've sent me him i've seen him yeah yeah Yeah. there's a lot of that stuff (laughs) cool so i'm gonna go um (laughs) 
Becky, um, before before I let you go, <laughs> um, is there anything that you wanted to mention about a Hellraiser 2022 that we haven't covered? I don't think so. I I think the grimiest bit out of the whole thing was when she picked three pills up off of like the damp sort of like tarmac Mm -hmm. and took them. And I thought, okay, Mm. this is interesting. Like this is grubby. This is grubby. Mm -hmm. The the sex scene a little while ago, that, that did, that wasn't promising, but this is promising. And again, they kind of didn't really go anywhere with it. Like they, they, they could have done something more interesting. I think maybe more overt with her like struggles around addiction. I thought it was too fucking long. It's two hours. There was a lot. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of stuff with like, you know, friends crying down the phone because someone's gone missing. Like, get rid of all that shit. It just like if it's gonna be two hours and there isn't one rimming scene in it, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> There's too many characters. <laughs> yeah. And none of them are rimming. Yeah. There's a gay couple and there's no rimming. There's they're, they they're in bed reading Byron Anna. What the fuck? <laughs> You're so offended that it's Byron. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't... Byron, an actual fucking sex pest, an actual like demonically horny individual who was literally banned from entire countries <laughs> because he was fucking too much. <laughs> right again. See? He's not. A, he's not like a bedside read. He's not a bedside read. And yet that is an entirely sexless scene. It's not like they're using it for foreplay. It's like they're cuddling. Like, what the fuck are people doing cuddling in a Hellraiser film? (laughs) There's no cuddling allowed (laughs) in a Hellraiser film. No. We got- also, the fuck is who the fuck is that roommate? Why did why do they have a roommate? Why does she need to get involved? I don't care about her. Who is she? A lich. I, I I have no answer for you. Pointless. I don't care about her. Get the fuck out of my screen. Yeah, you're literally just like murder. You're cenobite fodder. You're just an extra person on screen who isn't having sex with anybody. <laughs> I cannot believe it. I cannot believe I cannot believe the only nudity we get is fucking Angel Sailor Moon transformation <laughs> Goran Vishnik. With his little nub. Did you see didn't you didn't even see his dick? It was just like a little nub. Yeah, they 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 literally neutered Goran Vishnik. Uh, they neutered the hot guy from Practical Magic. I'm so offended. Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm not so offended. I'm not surprised you're so disappointed with this movie. There have been some crimes committed. <laughs> some like very specific to me crimes. <laughs> The guy from Practical Magic, Byron. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So no, I think that's it. Uh, I think we've done it. Like I probably like it less at the end of this chat, but oh no, 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 don't apologize because you know. Again, to reiterate, I do think it's worth a watch, but definitely like have a wank first because you're not going to have one after. <laughs> I think you should remake Hellraiser, I, Becky yeah, Dark. I would like to do that. I think place. you should. I would like to do that. <laughs> you know what's really funny though? I 
I it just popped into my mind that I actually think I just saw a better erotic horror film at Weird Weekend in Glasgow when I was up there last weekend. There was a late night screening of a vintage gay porno Ooh. called Sex Demon, which was like a gay remake of The Exorcist. And a guy got possessed by a demon like via cursed locket. And he just started like aggressively fucking anyone he got into contact with. This sounds amazing. I, it was amazing. And I thought it was thought to be a lost film, and then it was found like it's a it's a, a relic of it, an artifact of its time mm-hmm. and gay culture at that time. And, and now I'm thinking about a Hellraiser <laughs> 2022, because I'm like, all that film is. It's just a whole bunch of rimming and fisting. Ugh. And I'm like, well, Hellraiser 2022 needs a little bit of that. Like a little bit of sex demon yeah, energy. Yeah, for sure. What a shame. <laughs> well, this has been a whirlwind. Ugh, Anna. I think this might get me banned from Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I can only apologize. I apologize for nothing and neither no. should you. So, Becky, brilliant as always. <laughs> what are you up to and where can people find your work? Um, so, best place is always on Twitter, but who knows how long that's going to be the truth. So, um, for the time being, you can find me on Twitter at Bunny Dark. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Bunny Dark. And I've got a Patreon myself, um, patreon.com forward slash bunny dark. And uh, sort of writing wise, the next thing I've got coming up is I've written a piece. I've written my first piece for the Arrow video blog, Mm -hmm. which in a very different vibe from today's chat. Although, oh my God, I've just had a realization. There is more bare bum in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves than there is (laughs) in Hellraiser 2022. Which is this why, is correct. which is why Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is five star no notes, one of the greatest films Absolutely. ever made. Absolutely, so I have written a piece about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and nineties um, historical adventure films, which <gasps> will be out on the I think it's the eleventh of November. So keep your eyes peeled for Amazing. that. Um, and then I've also got one coming up with them about like top snowy horrors. So that will be out in December at some point. Nice. Okay. I'm into that. Thank you so much, Becky. Thanks for asking me. This has been so fun. <laughs> <laughs>